0: Hi, everybody. My name is Lorraine and welcome to the Africa pre podcast. If you're a founder or an investor and you're keen on learning more about the African tech ecosystem, we've got you covered. In this episode today, we focus on the parts of the African tech ecosystem that speak French as a first or second language, referred to both as Francophone Africa and French-speaking Africa. This part of the ecosystem constitutes about 34 countries across the continent, totaling over 470 million people. As a block, it often flies under the radar with the traditional big four in the ecosystem. I'm sure it's no surprise to everyone listening. So we have Nigeria, Egypt, South Africa and Kenya that typically use English as either a second or first language. Yet there is so much to unpack and to help us do that. I'm very excited to welcome Benoit Delestre, president at Saviou Ventures, onto the African pre podcast. Benoit, please, I hope I, co- I pronounced the name correctly.
1: That's perfect. And I'm doing great. First of all, thank you, Lorraine, for having me in your podcast series. I'm so proud and glad to speak about the emerging tech ecosystem in French-speaking countries in Africa. You know, we are too often forgotten yeah. compared to our Anglophone neighbors. So great to speak with you.
0: Perfect. And maybe we'll just start with a little bit of background on you, Benoit. So you're part of the Savvy Ventures founding team. And before Saviou was founded in 2018, you are a member of the Advisory for Financial Services Business participe Yes. And... Uh, and a former investor, board member at the likes of Adict Group Sambot and Nithios, just to name a few also the former CEO and President of 4G Secure, a leading authentication system provider within the mobile telecommunications industry. So we are definitely in good company today. The CV really speaks for itself in terms of your experience. So looking forward to the conversation. We have a lot to discuss Benoit. And just before we get started, I'd like to get our brains going a little bit. So we have a game called Rate This,
1: Rate This, Rate This, Rate This
0: In this game, we'll give you five topics and as soon as I do, please give a rating between one and five with one being absolutely not and five being we need more of that. And if you don't mind also just, you know, one liner on the reason for the rating that you're giving. So, are you ready?
1: Cool, let's go.
0: Perfect. First one, the US dollar's dominance as a reserve currency.
1: I will give a two. Euro is number one. Dollar could be second, but not very popular in a francophone country. And the beauty is the Mm -hmm. parity, and you need to understand that, that the parity between CFA and euro. So there is no devaluation possible. That's why our currency in West Africa, Francophone country is very strong and euro is linked.
0: Interesting. Thank you for that context. And I think it was important to provide that context because I'm sure a lot of people might have been thinking more in the English speaking countries in terms of the US dollar's dominance. Second one, this one I know is a little bit controversial, so I'd be keen to hear what your thoughts are on this, Bitcoin.
1: I will give a three. It's coming very fast for the, the, the new a young generation. The adoption is, is very good in, uh, you know, in South Africa, Nigeria and Kenya, very good for unbanked people, but I have some fears in, in West Africa. Mm. And, you know, I think that Bitcoins today is, uh, is more used for uh, laundry money and tax evasion. So mm. that's why I'm a bit, a bit reluctant on the Bitcoin in West Africa. But yeah. platforms are very Industry. good. So we need, we need maybe to regulate a bit Bitcoins in our area.
0: Exactly. And I think I would 100% agree with that sentiment, especially on the regulation front. Third one, global interest rates. <sighs> <laughs> I will give
1: you one and uh, and uh, I will explain. For mm. a corporate point of view in Africa, interests are too high. Money costs a lot. So it's a real break for the economy. So I don't know if I answered your question, but for me, interest, I'm, you know, I, I'm supporting company. And when we have some interest, about 15% per year, it means the money costs so much. So... We need to find alternatives. That's why we have some PE fund, VC fund to, to, to support companies. But uh, we need to have uh, lower rates and to increase uh, any, any loan uh, lending product. And it will be more, um, much better, much efficient for companies.
0: Mm. And and just FYI, so there's no specific context here I'm looking for. So, you know, the, the fun about this game is it's really about how you interpret it. And uh, 100% agree with what you just shared. The fourth one the increasing use of AI in customer service.
1: Well, <laughs> a bit joking, but uh, <laughs> I will give a three. And, you know, I spend okay. a lot of my time in West Africa in a local village and when we are talking about ai you know i'm a bit surprised using ai you know with a, with in a small village with a, a, a completely, a, a, a completely a, a crazy dialect so uh, it's very good for industrial country but uh, in west africa in our context it will coming soon but not now and and mm. it could it could help in, uh, in health and fintech sector, but uh, let's wait for, uh, for, for some, uh, some years. It, it's, not, uh, it's not really efficient today. Okay.
0: And the last one, e-commerce in Africa.
1: I will give a two. So what a okay. change in the last 10 years, and I will explain why I will give a two. E-commerce will be key for the next generation. But we are facing two major issue. Payment. You know, most of the payments yes. are done at the delivery, not online. And logistic is a still a pain. Look at Jumia. They are not break-even after 10 years. Mm. So it's it's really interesting, but now we need to... to To solve any issue on the payment logistic. And for me, e-commerce is booming on the B2B business. And then it will be more efficient on B2C. That's my point of view.
0: Agree. Agree. And I think just to your point there, Benoit, you know, payments infrastructure and the logistics infrastructure for me are one of the key rails that we need to get right as an ecosystem to really build more efficient models on top of that.
1: Definitely. Read
0: this. Read this. Yeah, so thank you so much for sharing your, sh- your thoughts on this. And uh, now I believe we're, we're warmed up. So let's get right to it. Let's talk about VC in French-speaking Africa. So first question I have for you. What verticals excite you the most in the region and why? We have a
1: different expertise with Saviou. The The first one is, of course, FinTech. Just to know, I was a former fintech entrepreneur and I'm uh, passionate of uh, lending, payment. And uh, in West Africa, francophone country, banks are only dedicated to rich people or large corporates. So it's obvious that we need to offer any payment methods any lending platform to the population. That's why fintech is key for me. And we continue to support entrepreneurs in the fintech space, you know, to, to, to propose any services for a better world. The second one, and uh, that's transport. And when we started yes. Savio, we were as a startup studio. So we created a company from scratch in the transport industry. So we own that company and uh, it means that uh, we, we, we understand all the roots and the DNA of the transport. So it's not so easy in West Africa. That's why now I'm not an expert, but I love this industry and that's key. And that's the topic with, uh, you know, with the e-commerce transport and logistics, if you want to have a, a, a very reliable platform you need to control logistics yeah. so for me to improve the logistic part the transport will be key for the e-commerce in the next couple of years and the last one the last segment that i, I, I like that's the healthcare business very important you know to have a health inclusion everywhere so we are supporting any initiatives I wear affordable telemedicine platform because we are so proud that the population in the village could access to the, to, to health with, uh, with um, affordable prices.
0: And uh, just to understand a little bit more about the ecosystem, would it be fair to assume that beyond any sort of regulatory huddles that a startup from Cote d'Ivoire would consider Senegal a natural place to expand to? If the numbers suggested so, and vice versa. And you know, it would be great to also understand what the context is for for the response and what assumptions, if any, you have or that may be right or wrong that people may have on this as well.
1: When we invested in our first companies in Ivory Coast to expand after Ivory Coast, it was obvious Senegal. But now, with experience, and after four years, we did wrong. The natural path after Ivory Coast should be more Togo and Benin, and then Senegal. They are smaller country and more uh, easy to access. Senegal is a 15 million population country, and uh, it's a bit slow. So my advice after four years, it's after Ivory Coast, let's move Benin, Togo, and then to conclude with Senegal, you could you could uh, uh, lose time opening your business just after Ivory Coast in Senegal, and it will cost to the company. So let's start with a smaller country and finish with Senegal.
0: Great. And actually, I'll just take us back slightly. So as I mentioned in the intro, for English-speaking countries in Africa, we have the four major hubs. So Egypt, Kenya, Nigeria, and South Africa. I'm curious, what are those hubs in French-speaking countries? What are those countries that are really raising significant amount of capital, where we're seeing a lot more activity in the ecosystem in the French-speaking countries?
1: You have, of course, Ivory Coast, Benin, Togo, Senegal, Cameroon, DRC, and Madagascar. In all these countries, we are speaking French. So you have uh, mostly in, in West, but with Madagascar and also Mauritius, it's part of the East Africa. But to understand better the area, when you are in a francophone country, English is a barrier. So. We speak French and the English is not so good. So the area is enough. is about 70 million people. So we can uh, make some businesses in the area. But we would like one day that uh, francophones, so entrepreneurs from francophone uh, countries will uh, move to East Africa. It means that we need, we need to speak English very well and we need to adapt ourselves in a structured country in East uh, Africa. That's not the case for the moment. That we see is we have a more anglophone entrepreneur from uh, Kenya, from Nigeria, coming to West Africa, francophone country. They are learning French and they are not lost. So it's better on that sense than on the other sense, francophone to anglophone.
0: You... Just hinted at, you know, language being one of the one of the fundamental challenges between, you know, Francophone and Anglophone Africa, where the example you're given is for a founder from Anglophone countries would need to, you know, learn French if they were coming to operate in the French speaking zone. So apart from language, what other challenges do you see that are really stopping startups from moving from one region to the other?
1: You know, in East Africa, the ecosystem is very well structured. And I would say in East and all anglophone countries, included Ghana and Nigeria, you have startup studios, you have incubators, you have unicorns, you have exits. In West Africa, francophone country, we opened our first startup studio last year. So there is a huge gap and we need to improve now in a francophone country promoting uh, this ecosystem through incubators with uh, more VC funds and to explain that when you are a francophone player you can move to Nigeria you can move to Kenya or South Africa but uh, there is a big yes there is a big gap between anglophone and francophone and maybe I can add something because yeah. there is a big gap. Sure. There is a big gap on the on the uh, ecosystem. One is very well structured, and the other one is is going to be a structure, but not really right now. But the on, in terms of uh, consumer markets, they are likely similar. You know, GDP uh, yes. in Kenya is is the same is two thousand five hundred dollars, and in Ivory Coast is the same two hundred five hundred dollars, and 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 on the on the ground. Uh, the behavior could be the same, but uh, the ecosystem promoting, you know, entrepreneurship is different. And when you see people in Kenya or uh, in Ivory uh, Coast, they have a three phones, they have a motorcycle, and uh, sometimes they have a car. So the profile is the same. And we are we are missing in in Francophone country. We are missing yes ecosystem, ecosystem entrepreneurship, and also. All the diaspora, all the business angels anglophone that they move to US or to UK, they invest a lot in anglophone country, in uh, African anglophone country. That's not the case for francophone. When you have a, a member of the diaspora, they remain in Europe, they remain in the US and they invest in yeah. Europe or in the US, but not in their local country. And that's a shame. That's why anglophone is w- w- much more well advanced.
0: I just thought of something that maybe I should I should bring up here is I've I've spoken to a few founders who. When they're speaking about Francophone Africa, they also speak about Tunisia and Morocco as really part of that market. And, you know, the natural progression for companies operating in Tunisia or Morocco is to expand into Côte d'Ivoire or Senegal, but mainly Côte d'Ivoire, at least from what I've experienced. I'd be curious to hear more from you on that. Totally
1: right. North Africa, when you have a business in uh, Tunisia, Morocco... The idea is to go down, uh, so you can make a stop in Senegal. But the the, the most exciting country with the 30 million population is Ivory Coast. And now you have you have some airlines from uh, Gaza to uh, Abidjan with a direct flight. So it means people can move, and uh, yeah. The first, the first stop between Europe uh, and Africa is North Africa. You make a stop at Casablanca and from Casa, you go to, to West Africa. And uh, we have a lot of uh, entrepreneurs from uh, North Africa starting businesses in West Africa. That's help a lot because they are very strong, very smart. And uh, they like West Africa because it's very stable. I mean, uh, Ivory Coast is a very stable Place we have key institutions, we have a lot of, of investors, foreign investors. So it's a very good, you know, to to put your headquarters and and to 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 fly around.
0: In terms of even culturally, so I see, you know, significant similarities between, uh, let's say, an example, Kenya, and the Côte d'Ivoire, in terms of the culture. I'm curious to hear now in terms of North Africa, so the Tunisia, Morocco, are there significant cultural differences that may make such expansion strategies a little bit trickier? Uh, So apart from that, there's a similarity in language, but just curious to hear about the culture aspect as well.
1: Culture is different. So in terms of uh, business, you have uh, some some synergy, but uh, North Africa compared to West Africa and especially Ivory Coast yes, totally, totally different. I can explain. In a business point of view, you have all the construction company, all the schools that they expand their activity in West Africa because... We need to to build uh, new houses, we need to train people, we need to to create school. And uh, before it was a French company based in Europe. And now all the major companies are from uh, Morocco. But uh, yes, mentality is a bit different. So that's why there is a corridor between Morocco, Mauritania and Senegal and uh, there is some close relation between these two countries political countries there is some close relation between Ivory Coast and Morocco between the the king of Morocco and the uh, president of Ivory Coast but I would say there is a gap in terms of uh, of mentalities but it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that we cannot work together but it will take some times you know to to have some uh, for example some companies with the founders from Ivory Coast and his co-founders from Morocco today it's much more Entrepreneurs from Morocco they start their business in Ivory Coast, you know, to be focused on the area, and vice versa. You can you can have some Ivory uh, Ivorian entrepreneurs establishing their businesses in, in Morocco. Now we are liking, we, we are waiting for the, the mix between a different culture and different uh, different uh, mindset of entrepreneurs, and it will be, uh, I think, uh, very efficient for the community.
0: Uh, You've touched a little bit about the archetype of entrepreneurs that you're seeing or the type of entrepreneurs that you're you're seeing. If you can just talk a little bit more about that. So if I can relate it to, let's say, the Kenyan ecosystem, when... Things were really ramping up in the ecosystem. A lot of the founders that we were seeing were expatriates, really being the the founders of a lot of the startups that are being funded. So I'm curious to hear from, you know, the perspective of French speaking countries. What are the typical founders that you're seeing? Are they more local? Are they ac- experts or are they local? professionals that you know worked extensively abroad that are now coming back into the market what's that division you're seeing in terms of the founders
1: today we have uh, 70 lines so 70 stakes in our portfolio 1 and 2 so we have an experience about the the profile of uh, founders and uh, we have we have uh, two types of uh, founders we have uh, people from the diaspora they live for uh, ten years in uh, Europe or in the U.S. and they are back uh, in Africa after after uh, being graduated. And that's uh, that's key because they, they have the knowledge, they have the network, and uh, and they speak English. And we have some expats, so I mean some uh, American some French, they left their country, you know, to, to create their own companies. And that's also good for the ecosystem because they bring expertise. They, they ask some new talents from Europe and the US to come to, come to, uh, to Africa. So uh, for me, that's the two main profile. And also now we are supporting some more local people. I mean, some, some students, some, some entrepreneurs, they, they, they spend all their life in their, in their country. I mean, I recall Senegal or Cameroon, yes. and, uh, and now we are focusing on that new talents because they understood that they can create their own company. And we have uh, several yeah. elements as a VC fund, as incubators to help them to get the skills.
0: I really love that, and I resonate so much with that. And just in terms of building the the local, you know, the local. Uh, yeah, that's very important. Who, that's very important to yes. focus
1: to focus on local. But for that, and I repeat, we need to have a trusty ecosystem. We need to have some incubators, startup studio, just to put some some solid foundation. And yes. to help that entrepreneur to succeed. Because otherwise you can create your company and six months after, if you don't have money, if you don't have access to mentoring, to business angel, yes. that's finished for you.
0: Absolutely. 100% agree with that. And maybe you can just move, just understanding more on the macro level. When you look at infrastructure and market point of view, what are some of these fundamental differences between the region's largest markets so you've mentioned ivory coast senegal i think you mentioned ivory coast was it 30 million
1: yeah 30 million people. population yeah, size yeah, yeah, population. and
0: then a 15 in senegal in terms of their ecosystem potential and consumer markets what are those differences that you see
1: we like uh, the area where we are, I mean from uh, Mauritania to uh, Togo, it's uh, roughly included uh, Mali and Burkina Faso, it's roughly around 70 million people. And the hub is Ivory Coast, the hub is Abidjan, and from Abidjan you have some uh, corridor to uh, Dakar, to uh, Ouaga, uh, to Bamako the mentalities are not so different so you can you can start from uh, abidjan and you can establish after you your subsidiary in all these countries so it's a very uh, big area for us where we have a lot of demand in in uh, fintech industry in transport industry and to avoid to to avoid any uh, what I call bad investments or to, to, to lose time or to spend money. Yes, it's better to be profitable in the country where you establish your first company and where you are break even to move and to expand in a new country. That's, that's today, that's the rules. Five years ago, you know, you raise uh, two, three, two to three million, you know, to take uh, all the area, to put your flag everywhere. Now the world has a big change. Uh, break-even is very important and you need to be yeah. the leader in your country and then you can move. But for me, uh, West Africa, francophone, uh, that's key. And, and, and also the corridor between uh, West francophone and North Africa. So it will it will increase the area. And, and Central Africa also. So it's a uh, good place to invest today. And, uh, and French, as you will hear, French French is also uh, very important. So so it's key it's key for all these entrepreneurs because the area is, is is quite big.
0: I just want to also understand in terms of the profile. We've spoken a bit about the profile of founders that are prevalent in the market and the ecosystem. In terms of investors. Who are the most active investors in the ecosystem in terms of their profile? Are they more local, more international investors? And yeah, what does that look like?
1: We have some uh, local initiatives helped by any countries with uh, small funds and not dedicated to the tech industry. So uh, it's uh, both between uh, tech and uh, brick and mortar. So uh, there are smallest, smallest funds between one to, to five million so that's the first step. Then you have a lot of funds from Japan. Okay. Yes. Yes. Uh, many funds from Japan, and they were the first to invest in West Africa. They did some uh, spray and press strategy. So it means you can <laughs> okay. you can you can raise you can raise in in two months two hundred k. So it uh. helped, but it helped a lot the ecosystem, and they are very key. In West Africa, so we are partnering with them, and then you have some um, European funds, as us, with with a strong roots in the in the region, and with some um, limited partners from uh, the private sector and also from uh, institutional. It means we have also some expertise. We have some, uh, some uh, what we call some limited partners. They, they, are, uh, they are human beings and they can also help the company we invested in. So I would say many are coming in the area. Many investors are coming in the area. We need more uh, VC firms local very important, local, because uh, we we there is not only the tech uh, industry. We need to focus on the brick and mortar, agriculture, to continue to support all these initiatives and to to continue to to create uh, uh, other uh, from the startup studio to the to the to the VC firm. We received uh, per month around uh, between 25 to 30. Uh, Deals. I mean, some entrepreneurs wow. asking asking money, and we are between, uh, let's say, five to eight very active in the area. So it's not it's not enough.
0: And I assume a lot of this activity is early stage as well.
1: Yes, definitely. It's not so precise because in in West Africa, francophone country, entrepreneurs they started. Uh, very fast, you know, to to, uh, to create some revenue. They have a product, they have a team, they have a revenue. So they are active and they are looking for money from the seed to the serie. And that's important because they need money, but they earn money, but they need much more expertise. They need, they need funds, they need uh, any organization who can help them to go fast with the best Ingredients and to to uh, prepare the scale up phase, the Series A with the international P or VC player. That's that's missing today. That's from seed to Series
0: A. Yeah, I think that's that's sort of the conundrum for a lot of our ecosystems. Is there's increasingly more capital coming in the early stage, and then you know once you get to Series A and beyond, there's much fewer players which is where also we need to to hone in a lot more support in terms of the capital just so that we can see these companies really flourishing and growing I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, your portfolio so your portfolio is you have you know over half of your portfolio are ventures that are either operating in Cote d'Ivoire fully or as part of the the market mix. So can you just give us a sense of the founder community that you interact with in Côte d'Ivoire and some of the market characteristics that make it an attractive ecosystem to invest in?
1: Most part of the company, the HQ is based in Abidjan, but it doesn't mean that we don't have any businesses in uh, Benin, Togo, uh, Burkina or Sénégal. That's much easier to establish the headquarters and to acquire talents from Abidjan. As I told you, that's a stable place and we could find some uh, great expertise. We can uh, travel from Europe and uh, from the US, from uh, Ghana very easily. So for us to have an office in Abidjan and subsidiary in the region is key. And, and one of the major issues in Africa is uh, to, to, to look for some uh, very strong talents. Yeah. Talents are from uh, Europe, UK, South Africa, the US. And uh, the first stop could be uh, in East Africa, Nairobi, could be uh, Lagos in Nigeria. And uh, for West Africa, francophone country is Abidjan. So it makes really sense to start from Abidjan and then to move.
0: And just the second part of that is if you can speak to some of the market characteristics that make Côte d'Ivoire, maybe not just Côte d'Ivoire, but, you know, French-speaking countries, uh, Francophone West Africa, an attractive ecosystem to invest in.
1: I would say more and more, it's a bit crowded in uh, East Africa and also in uh, South Africa. That's why now we have a lot of uh, investors in West Africa, francophone country, and for two reasons. The first one, we have some um, businesses with revenue. That's important because when you are a VC firm, you really want to invest in a company where you could ask money, but to develop a database, a customer database, and one day to, to have some exits and to get some revenue. It's key for a VC firm. And, and the second reason that uh, we are not enough. So with uh, five players in the area, we could be uh, 10 to 15. And today uh, we are not answering to all the deals. So yeah. many VC firms from uh, East Africa, I mean from um, Kenya and now from South Africa, they are starting to invest in West Africa, Francophone country. And we are we are for them. Their for them is a kind of radar because we help the ecosystem to share our portfolio, to share our deal flow to all anglophone VC and PE firms.
0: So one of the one of the key hindrances when a company is you know looking to expand is usually, especially in the VC space, which are typically tech companies, is tech adoption. So there are certain there are certain profiles of customers that are just, if I think of ag tech as an example, a lot of a lot of farmers, let's say smallholder farmers, are very averse to adopting tech. So just understanding the in the ecosystem, how forward do you think the market is, or how ready is the market to adopt tech? Because a lot of the success uh, for a lot of these companies is reliant on just having a market that is willing to adopt and is ready to adopt tech.
1: If you are talking about uh, agriculture... In uh, West Africa, actually, Franco- just
0: more more broadly, not specifically agriculture, just more broadly in terms of are there you know more young people in the market that are now obviously with, with the youth they're more likely to adopt tech. So not specifically to ag, just in in general, yeah.
1: All the population have between two to three phones in West Africa depending mm. depending on the the mobile operator and the the, the promotion the credit you will use uh, orange and ten and so on so it means every day we are connected and from from the senior from the senior i mean the 60 and more from uh, to the to the young generation they are connected in the village you could receive all the, the, the pricing, you know, from, from tomatoes, manioc and so on, on your, on your cell phone. It means, mm. you, you, you are well, you are well aware about the, the trends, about the the, 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 the prices, and it's key, because you, you want to exchange. And, uh, yeah. You don't have choice. You don't have choice. And and now, smartphone, you can have a smartphone for, uh, uh, it's in CFA, for uh, $70. New.
0: Okay. Wow.
1: Yes. New. So, uh, not uh, second hand. So, so. Uh, <laughs> wow. yeah, yeah, yes. And uh, even in the village, you have some, uh, not stupid phone, but some smartphone. And uh, you have a, a small farmer or uh, the Mackey, the restaurant, uh, you could order your food, you can uh, send money and everything now is through the smartphone. So for me, the tech is of use. It starts from the mobile phone because that's the internet access. The internet access, that's the content. So that's the video, that's YouTube, that's... And, and uh, the youth is training their parents, their cousins and their grandparents.
0: That's, a, that's, and that's, yeah, why, that's that's impressive. Really that's a why that's you why know, we are
1: focused in in tech and to create some jobs and to to um, help all the population, the villages to you know to to uh, to, to scale or to to be more uh, more uh, uh, to create more jobs. Tech tech for me is is obvious. In every yeah, sector, absolutely. agriculture, financial, uh, it's it's a re- real game changer.
0: And talking of real of game changers. Curious to hear your point of view on the government's role in really catalyzing an ecosystem. I I I believe in Senegal, the government had a fund that was investing in startups a few years ago. So I'm just keen to hear how much of it or how much success do you pin on, you know, having government really supporting the startup or the tech ecosystem?
1: Very important to have the... State government and uh, all the, the public sector uh, promoting the, the um, to finance company and to help uh, entrepreneurs because they are very close to their population. And uh, when you are a local entrepreneur, you will go directly, you know, to, to discuss with, with local people. And, and yes. uh, for example, Ladere in uh, Senegal. That's a public fund, including incubators and startup studio. That's for me the opinion leader. And when you are in Senegal, when you want to create your company, the first step, the first place you go to ask advices and to ask money is Lader. It's not, you know, to ask a European, a UK or a Japan a VC firm you go to local people and uh, to to, um, help any local entrepreneur. We should have more ladder experience in all our country to receive people, to uh, offer some space, some advices, of course money. But if your project is very good, you can access to uh, money to uh, mentors and business angel, but the first, you need to find the first, the, the, the right people to connect you and to uh, offer you some uh, some space and some uh, structure to develop your business. So it's key.
0: We are getting ready to wrap things up. Now, as an investor, I'm sure you're approached by many founders seeking investment into their startups. What signals do you typically look for or look out for when you're dealing with a founder that make you, you know, say, you know, there's something here or I want to know more? What are those signals you look out for?
1: We are investing in uh, human. The first thing is uh, to understand and to do a bit of uh, psychology to know who is the people you are talking with, what is requesting and uh, if he could listen to you in the next steps. So we are spending a lot of time with all the entrepreneurs even the the, the deals involves the entrepreneurs that you know we will uh, not invest in but we are giving a lot of advices we are doing a lot of psychology to find to reach the good one. So for me the first step is the the entrepreneur, the, the skills and uh, and the honesty of the entrepreneur and the second the second element is to understand his business and if we cannot understand and if we cannot bring expertise hr uh, bd to him it doesn't mean that we can invest
0: i think that touches on on my what my next question was going to be which is you know some of the biggest red flags so you've mentioned there someone who seems like they're not willing to listen or someone who's not coachable. So are there any other red flags that you typically look out for that make you say absolutely not?
1: Yes, we have some uh, doubts on a certain country where, you know, the um, currency is not really stable and when the um, corruption is, is too high. We, we are in, in, uh, in West Africa, francophone country. You know, you need to be very well connected. You need to be very agile. But we don't want to invest in a such business where we are. To connected with the public sector and uh, where the currency could be not stable so for now it's a red flag because we we uh, we are found we are uh, regulated and we need to be careful with our investment and for that west africa francophone area with a cfa linked to euro in terms of currency is very very comfortable and we are very comfortable also with uh, the gap between the public sector and the private sector.
0: Benoît, we have run out of time. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your knowledge and your experiences with us. It's truly been invaluable. And uh, we wish we could you know, continue picking your brain, but all good things must come to an end. So I'd really just like to thank you for for taking the time.
1: Thank you so much. I really appreciate our talks, and uh, trust me, we will continue to discuss about our area. And I really Absolutely. want, and I really want to make the bridge between uh, Anglophone and francophone culture, participating mm-hmm. to uh, podcast, participating to uh, any initiative, to, to mix entrepreneurs. That's key and uh, that's why I created Saview. It's uh, to invest in uh, both culture and uh, Africa is uh, one continent. so one day we will see some francophone entrepreneur in anglophone country.
0: Absolutely, and we're looking forward to that. I'd like to thank all our listeners as well for joining us. We'll close this episode out by asking you what you think uh, your prospects could be in francophone Africa and what else you want to know about this critical block. So please send your thoughts to hello at africanpreseed.com and also share with us on social media using the hashtag African Preseed Podcast. That's it uh, from us for now. Catch you on the next one. Cheers, everyone.